Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I am here in New York with Amy Oztan of SelfishMom.com. Hello. Hi. And Andrea Smith. Tech guru extraordinaire. That's just what we've settled on. Back in the studio. <laughs> Back in the Sorry studio. Sorry I missed you guys a couple of weeks. Busy working. We missed yep. you. We missed you too. Um, so we have some really good topics today. We're record- we know the parents are home with their kids, a lot of them. Um, and they're battling, I don't know, both brain. Summer boredom some, already? I was going to say, not so much brain drain, because I'm not a big believer in the brain drain. No. I kind of think sometimes no. the brain needs to drain. Um, but our first topic today, we have a special guest. We have Sandy Chen, who is the senior reviewer at Common Sense Media and also the founder of an amazing website that my daughters are addicted to called Teen Lit Rocks, which is not just for teens. It's also for those of us who are adults who read a probably too much YA fiction um, <laughs> and probably watch too much YA TV but that's another that's another show that's young adult for those of us who had to look that up um, and our second topic we actually have an interview that Andrea and I did with JJ Johnson the founder of Sinking Ship Media who has his new show Android season 2 premiering on Amazon Prime this weekend and then we'll have our bites of the week so Sandy hi Sandy Chen is on the phone with us from DC Hello, ladies. Thank you for having me on. We are so excited you're on. We have been talking about doing this segment for weeks. We're like, we have to do a summer reading segment. We have to, and all we kept saying, Amy and I were like, we have to have Sandy Chen. Yep. We have to have Sandy Chen. So I'm like, until Sandy can do it, we're not doing this segment. <laughs> and I do know that before uh, your post came out, Rebecca had begged on Facebook for anybody to give recommendations for some books for her kids for this summer. And Sandy did. Right? And there you go. <laughs> and then I bought all of them and I told Sandy and then I went broke because they were all hardcover and I was like, but I still have to buy them all because they look so good. So I'm hoping... That's the know. amazing thing. You never get... I never get tired of recommending books. I do get tired of recommending movies somehow, but with the books, I never get tired. Well, you know what's so amazing is how many great books there are. I don't feel like when we were growing up, there was this vast category, which now is mm-hmm. YA, and maybe, I don't know, for better or for worse, that there's this separate category, um, but there just there just wasn't. There wasn't this wealth no. of... There was Judy Bloom. Well, yeah. Nothing That's wrong. right. There That's was it. Judy Bloom <laughs> yeah. and Christopher Pike and Cynthia Boy, and that was about it. There was the Sweet Valley High twins, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and most of us got sick of them by the time we were in middle school, so we just moved on to grown-up books. And that's what's wonderful, I think, about young adults. And any time an adult says that they're too good to read YA, I just say you're reading the wrong YA. Or you're not, you're not actually reading it at all. Because if you were, you'd know that just like there is in general fiction, there's a wonderful variety of genres within YA. And, and some authors who are incredibly literary. And some authors who are just sort of fun and you sort of read them. And I, I think you call it popcorn books. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, I call them potato could, chip books. Yes, popcorn's books. still a little good for you, <laughs> <laughs> and too associated with movies. But I do. I yeah. call them potato chip books because I feel like you should have a literary diet. Like you should have your snack. your hefty meat and potatoes, or if you're a vegetarian like me, maybe you have your like good 
tofu-y thing. Um, but then you have to have your snacky food. You have to have your indulgence because I feel like those are the books that um, carry you through to the next meal, you know. But what's really interesting, Sandy, what you say now, you know, my, my son is much older than this now, but some of these books are appealing to me. These are books that I would like to have for a nice beach read weekend or just take away and kind of lose myself in a in an awesome book. I would love to read some of these on your list. Um, absolutely. I mean, I really think that my sister and I started Teen Lit Rocks several years ago after I spent an entire year only reading young adult books. And I really did it to help my movie critic career because so many of the books were getting turned into movies. And I got tired of taking friends who had read the books and then couldn't tell me anything about the books. They couldn't remember. And I thought, you know what? I have a better memory than most of my friends. I'll just start reading these books. And then I got completely hooked. And I told my sister, who's a reading specialist in Florida, I said, you need to read these books with me. And we started Teen Lit Rocks with sort of this intergenerational site where teens and adults could read the books together every month and sort of talk about them. And I've had so much fun. And obviously, I still read regular grown-up fiction. But I do think there's something really special about authors who have dedicated their careers to writing for young people because they really have to grip them really early on. And that's the great thing about a YA book is that most of them are really quick reads, even for the teens, because they don't have these great attention spans anyway. So they need these books that are just going to hook them in and get them interested. So let's talk about your top picks um, that you had. You had, there was a great article, obviously, in Common Sense Media that we all shared um, with your, like, top picks for... I think was it middle grade and YA yeah, sort middle of both. school. Such a great list. Yeah, um, and so let's like dive in <laughs> to your. If you had to pick, let's say, so you did a big roundup. I think it was ten, right, or yeah. more. Yeah. So if you had to pick sort of those those top five um, that I also love, I think they're very unisex. I think for some reason people think of YA as girl. Um, yes. <laughs> the covers, sometimes the covers have something to do with that. But, yeah, I do think that we start to see naturally uh, boys and girls start reading different things when they're in middle school. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I always think it's good for kids, and that's the reason my list was a big mix of things. It's always good for kids to read a mix of genres. And that can get tough if you have the kid that only reads books with dragons or the boy who only reads books about, you know, big athletes and things like that. But it's important to sort of try to get them to read different kinds of books. So my list had a combination of nonfiction and fiction in different genres. And among my favorites is a couple of memoirs. Um, The first one is Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, and she's won a ton of awards. And Rebecca, you said that your girls have actually already read this book. It is such an incredible book, because then I read it after they read it. Um, She Actually, there's a great podcast interview with her on Fresh Air um, from last week, too, if you want to listen to it. Um, But it's written, it's not written as formal prose. I don't know how to describe it. It's almost written like a long form poem. There's so much space on the page, and there's like a rhythm to it. Um, It's really amazing, I think. Right, and so that's called a book in verse, and it is like a a, a series of poems and Mm -hmm. vignettes about her life growing up in both South Carolina and New York, and I think with everything that's going on in the world right now, with sort of the idea of Black Lives Matter, here's this incredible author, um, you know, who has really given 
middle grade and young adult readers and adults. I really think it's a book for everyone. I mean, she's won the National Book Award, the Newbery Honor, the Coretta Scott King Author Award. I mean, it's funny. It's touching. It really makes you think about different complicated issues in American history. And it's really a universal tale for anybody. And, you know, in terms of diversity, I mean, she, she's got it all. She's a wonderful author. And I just think everyone should read pretty much anything she has written. But Brown Girl Dreaming um, is just is just a masterpiece. Yeah, it's really special. I think also it's really interesting to present, you know, I don't know if my girls would pick up a book of poetry um, necessarily. Like, I think in some ways that feels daunting. But it's interesting for your children to read a book that's written in a different way um, just to challenge them, I think. And they have to slow down to read it. I really we're talking about attention span. Um, I think to to get into that groove and understand what she's doing is it was my my daughters loved it. They just thought it was so they just kept passing it from friend to friend, um, which I think is the best sign of a good book. And why I probably shouldn't buy these on Kindle. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit too. <laughs> so, um, so what else? So, Brown Girl Dreaming for sure. Yes, and then um, a nonfiction book that I just thought was amazing, and I also personally have a huge interest in um, the Romanovs, and it's it's so easy to get sucked into that story. But I think it's I think Candace Fleming's book, The Family Romanov, does a wonderful job of explaining really complex historical issues uh, in a way that is engaging and there are photographs. I mean, it's all about the final years of the Romanov dynasty in Russia and you really start to get to know this family, especially the daughters and everything that they were going through. And, you know, so here you have these four girls and their sickly little brother and their, their, you know, their father has abdicated and then all of the other things that happened to that family and it's a big it's a big book and it's a book that I actually think it's okay for your kids to walk away from and then come back to but it's so immersive and ever I mean you just can imagine the, the amount of research that she had to do to put this book together so um, so especially kids who are interested in nonfiction are interested in history and real stories they're going to just fall in love with Candace Fleming's writing and just a time in history that they may not be learning about yet in school or that they will soon. And I just found it to be one of those sort of unputdownable books myself. But I could see a, um, you know, an 11, 12, 13 year old maybe needing a little bit of time and maybe wanting to process it with an adult. So it's a great kind of uh, parent-child read too. Well, I have to tell mm, you, that's, that's on my, I mean, I looked at your list and that's the first one on my library list because, <laughs> I mean, I'm fascinated with the Romanov family and that whole period of time. And, um, you know, I've read a bunch of books, but I would love to see this author's perspective on it and to see how it's presented. And and not to jump ahead, but the other one on your list that I really, really want to read, which is also great that you're recommending it for younger people, is I Am Malala. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, and I think that can be a book that you give even to a mature elementary schooler. But, um, I mean, what a, what an amazing opportunity to, to read her memoir and to see what she went through in, in her hometown in Pakistan. And, I mean, she is the youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner. She has such a, a, an incredible message about educating girls and everything she's gone through. I think that especially if you have a girl of course boys should read it too but there's something special if you can give if you can put that book in the hands of every girl you know um i think it would it would go a long way of sort of especially showing them how privileged they are to grow up somewhere where they can learn 
where we do expect our girls to, to go on to higher education. So I love her book, and there's so many different ways that you can experience, um, you know, Malala. There's, there's wonderful, you can see her whole uh, Nobel Prize winning speech, and you can sort of incorporate sort of a multimedia experience after reading that book. That's so interesting, isn't it? Like now that you can actually, any of these books really, if you're interested in the Romanoffs, like whatever it is, there's so much more information mm-hmm. at their fingertips, which is so and nice. And multimedia. It's not just yeah. Google it to read more, but there's multimedia. You can see videos. You can actually see a historical, uh, you know, event or documentary. Yeah, that's really great. So one of the things that I find interesting, too, is how many adult authors are now writing YA. And Sophie Kinsella's new book is YA. Um, and is on your list. Yes, that's right. I mean, she is best known for writing the Shopaholic series, and I mean, her books. I mean, she's a she has written so many of them, and they're on everybody's beach read list. But now she's written this book, Finding Audrey, and it deals with some tough issues. and And her protagonist is a little bit younger than uh, usually is the case in YA, where she's fourteen, and her name is Audrey, and she struggles with severe anxiety stemming from sort of a she doesn't really necessarily explain all the specifics, but from some school bullying that led her to have this, this severe anxiety. And she meets her brother's sort of online gaming friend, Linus. And the sort of friendship and then little sweet relationship that they strike up really helps them both. And it's a very sweet book. Um, and it's really good sort of if, you're, if your kids are just starting to try romance books. Um, it's not com- it's not all about the romance, and it's not heavy romance. Like there are some YA books where you're like, "Whew, I need to cool off after reading that." But this book <laughs> was a sweet mother daughter read again, and you know, really great kind of close knit family with you know humor, and they were they were so quirky, which is always fun. And actually, a lot of YA books have only children who hate their parents right. you know, because, <laughs> or have no parents <laughs> right exactly so I appreciate I appreciate any author who includes a family and you really get to know them and I thought that was definitely the case with Audrey's family um, and I'll lead into another book which is might be my um, my very favorite book on the list it's called I'll give you the sun Oh, I by Dan D. Nelson. <laughs> and that book won the prestigious Michael L. Prince Award for Young Adult Literature. And I cannot tell you enough why. I feel like I'm an evangelist when it comes to Jandy Nelson, but it took her many years to to write this book. And that is very rare, where in the YA world, there are authors coming out with two books a year sometimes, but this book is about twins, and it's told in two timelines, one when they're 13 and 14, and that's always told from the perspective of the boy twin named Noah, and then again, a few years later, told from the perspective of of the twin sister, Jude, and they're inseparable until um, something happens, and their art critic mom sort of starts taking them to museums and starts sort of favoring Noah, who's this gifted artist, because she really wants both of them to go to this special art school. And Jude, what she does is she does these beautiful sand sculptures. But of course, what happens to sand sculptures is they get washed away. So her mother doesn't know that she's a gifted artist. Her mother really only knows that Noah's a gifted artist. And then catastrophe strikes, and you sort of find out why they went from being these inseparable twins who really finished each other's sentences and all of that to being really on the outs with each other and estranged and barely speaking to each other. And her writing is gorgeous. 
it's lyrical but not so lyrical that it's purple prose and you really get into the to the minds of these teenagers as they're coming of age and dealing with all of these issues and there's so much depth to this book that I recommend it to adults as well I just think it's beautiful and it was one of my favorite books of the past few years. Oh, I might reclaim it on visiting day when I go up there. <laughs> I better email them and tell them because they can't. first. Yeah, you better get done with that because I'm taking it. Um, don't give it to any of your friends. Well, this has been amazing. I think that um, what's so amazing about your list is that it's so much better than the school reading list, which has the same books that were on my reading list with like <laughs> the addition of John Green. Um, you know, it's so not interesting what they ask these kids to read. And it's so, um, I don't know, it's just not thoughtful. It's like they don't really delve into, um, well, they don't read you, first of all, which probably would be a good start. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting to me that the school reading lists are so uninspired. Um, so this is a much better list for people. I mean, if your kid has required reading, of course, knock that out, um, which is probably probably guess exactly what it is um but thank you sandy for coming on i think this was like an amazing look into all the great YA that's available not just for kids but and for we'll adults post too. that whole list on our yes. on our facebook page yep. yes and links to yes. all the books we thank highlight you. in the segment and hope you come on again you'll have to come on in the fall and we'll do a whole like fall reading what's coming out what we should be looking for yeah and we need to talk about audiobooks too yes and yes. oh yeah. yeah and i'm always yeah. happy to chat about books that you want your kids to read before they see the movie in theaters because oh, that we'll is a... a really good trick at getting some kids to read books they normally wouldn't right. read because you're like hey all your friends are going to see paper towns you need to read that before I take you to see that. Right. So. I, I had a huge argument with Fiona the other day because she really, really thinks that she should see the movie first and then read the book. I'm like, little girl, you are <laughs> so wrong. It depends on if you want to be disappointed in the movie or not. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's always like, they changed that. They changed that. I'm like, oh, that's what's called. That's what adaptation is. I don't know what to tell you. That's um, right. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for having me on. Thank you. This was great. And enjoy your summer. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, well, we will be back with our second topic, which is our interview with J.J. Johnson and a little bit about androids right after this. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are back with our sponsor this week with Plated.com. And... I'm so super excited about this. It's like ridiculous. Amy and I actually went back and forth on Facebook as we were looking at recipes <laughs> on Plated.com because she was like, I'm a vegetarian and I don't know if Jake will eat this and I don't know. And I was like, no, it's all really yummy stuff. You got to go look. You got to go look. So um, for those of you who don't know, Plated.com is a cooking like I ingredient assemblage delivery service that basically you go on. You pick your recipes, and what I really liked about it was I've actually seen other companies like this that they don't, if you're a vegetarian, it's very hard. Um, or if you're gluten-free, or if you're there, but plated, there's like a bazillion options yeah. for all of that, which is totally amazing. totally filter it so that you can find them easily. Totally filter it, and you can, it gives you the nutritional um, information for every dish, which I thought was really amazing too. So if you're like on a diet, or if you're not on a diet, if you just want to be healthy, like it'll tell you how many calories are in each dish, it'll do that whole thing. 
Um, so I think for busy people like us, and we are always busy, who like to cook fresh food, and I think also who want to get out of a rut, don't you guys make the same thing every week? I'm so week? tired of the same thing over <laughs> I'm and so over. Tired. Like, I'm tired of making it. I'm tired of looking at it. I, I feel like I have like a rotation. And I make things because they're easy and quick. Right. So they yeah. just keep reappearing. And I, I purposely picked something for my choice. I, I picked something, and my husband picked something, and my choice was purposely something that I've never eaten before. What? That what? I, it, it's like a tamarind chickpea Yum. spinach dish. It looks absolutely delicious. Not the kind of food that I would usually cook Indian. at home. Yeah. Um, so it's a great entree into, no pun intended, um, into <laughs> Uh, a, a kind of cooking that I've never done because everything will come and if I don't like it I won't have 17,000 <laughs> Indian spices, spices left over. Exactly. <laughs> That's the worst part the spices. We talked about that last time right? Yeah. I mean who wants who to buy an entire that? container of allspice? That's what I just said. I'm yeah. like I have all this allspice. Um, so here's how it works for our listeners. You can go to plated.com slash parenting. You choose from all these amazing chef-designed recipes. There's new selections every week. Seriously there's something for everyone. No joke. Um, they put it all in a refrigerated box, and everything is pre-portioned for your dinner. So you do a little chopping, you do a little, so you're still getting your cooking juice on, but you are, it's all ready for you. It's delivered to your door, and it's, again, refrigerated, so you don't have to worry. You pick your date, and that's it. I mean, and it stays fresh till midnight. So if you're not home when the delivery comes, you don't have to, like, freak out, which mm -hmm. is my thing. Because, you know, when you live in New York, you're not home. I don't have a doormat. You know, I worry about that. But it and, stays fresh. And once you get it in your fridge, I think it's good for five days, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yes. you can really plan ahead. Um, yeah, I'm super into it. I think just... The, just getting me out of the rut alone is just awesome. So you can prepare chef quality meals in 30 minutes or less with Plated. So go to Plated.com slash parenting. That's our special code. And you will get free shipping with your first order, which we love. I love mm -hmm. free shipping. I'm very anti-paying yes. for shipping. <laughs> um, so get your free shipping. Go to Plated.com slash parenting. Again, that is P-L-A-T-E-D.com slash parenting. And try it. And then let us know. Let us know what you made. Let us know what you picked. Let us know how awesome it was. Um, and what we should try. I know. Yeah. I wish you tried. Yeah, I'm excited. Tomorrow. So I'm jealous. I, you guys tried this. And well, I'm, well I'm not, we're, yeah, we're go, mine is coming tomorrow. So I'm so excited. So next week we'll have the report. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. And that's plated.com slash parenting. Check it out. Okay, we are back for our topic two, which um, we actually recorded a couple months ago. Andrew and I were at Sandbox Summit. I don't know if some of you remember that podcast episode. You can go back and listen to it because it was fascinating, all about education and learning. And we had a special guest, Eric Messenger, on. It was great. That was a great episode from Sandbox Summit. But we actually recorded a bunch of interviews while we were there. And we've been saving this one with J.J. Johnson um, because his show, Androids, which is A N N E droids because the lead girl's named Anne um, premieres their second season premieres on Amazon Prime um, this weekend and I think it is one of the best shows your kids can watch I would say a third through sixth grader around maybe second younger um, it's nothing inappropriate so you could go younger if you want but it's about a group of friends Anne lives in a junkyard with her dad and it's a real junkyard I went to Toronto I saw the set it is unbelievable it is a true hands-on rusty metaled out piles of metal everywhere weird creations junkyard but she also has a very cool lab where she builds with her wacky scientist dad and she built this android and she has two friends and it's just 
I don't know. We were just saying it's like the anti-Disney show. Right. It is just. But real. what I love, and and I think we talk about this in the in the uh, interview. But what I love is that the main character is a girl, and you'll hear JJ say that uh, that idea was rejected yep. a few times by some major studios because they just didn't think we were ready for a girl female lead, yes. which really upsets me. Their theory is that. Girls will watch boys, but boys won't watch girls. Which, obviously, given Frozen's success, I yeah. still couldn't get my head around. Yeah. But yeah. listen, to this. he's brilliant. He's really one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Super passionate. He also has a whole show about building playgrounds in low-income communities that need to rebuild playgrounds. So take a listen, and we'll be right back. Let's jump right in. I think I don't know if our audience is totally familiar with Androids, but um, it is on Amazon. Yes. And there are two seasons. On Amazon. Uh, there will be uh, the second season airs this uh, summer. Okay, or so season. posted this summer. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Season, right, so season one is up. Yes. Get your kids on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and season two is coming this summer, so something to look forward to. Yes. And so let's talk a little bit about the background of androids because there's so much talk about STEM. Sure. <laughs> it's all we've heard this whole time at Sandbox Summit, and everyone's talking about particularly girls and STEM. Yeah. But androids takes a really sort of hands-on kids' point of view on what STEM would look like if kids were running the show, I think. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I think um, what we try to do with all of our shows is is put the heart in the show. Uh, and there was some discussion about it at the Sandbox Summit today, but it, it was about, uh, yeah, these are, these are great subjects and science is interesting, but where's the humanity? Where's this human angle to it? And so in Androids, the science is integrated into the drama. It is the drama. It's both a, 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 a storytelling device and that, you know, there are mistakes that are coming from it, but it's also she uses science to solve uh, every day issues or interpersonal issues amongst her and the androids or her and the other characters. So it's just, even though it is absolutely a science-based series, uh, I think it's also, it's, it's a kid's drama series. There's, there's stakes. There's emotional things happening around those storylines. And I think that's what makes it um, watchable. It's, I, I think it's why kids, uh, and when you see some of the posts on Amazon and their reviews, it's like, it's, it's parents and grandparents being like, and even their kids are like, it's not an, you know, it doesn't feel like an educational show because, it, you know, I think science, all those subjects, um, if we can't make them exciting, then it's our, it's, it's, it's on us. If you can't make science and explosions and melting and talking about asteroids and androids exciting, then we shouldn't even be making television. So what's also interesting is it takes place in a junkyard. And you guys, I actually was able to tour that junkyard and it was crazy awesome. Um, and talk a little bit about that because these kids are really on a set that is not 100%. It's, it's not sealed in a bubble. It's a dangerous little set. I mean, there's scrap metal everywhere. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's wonderfully dangerous. Uh, you know, as a kid, uh, I grew up in Elmira, Ontario, which is a very small town. And we didn't have a lot to do. So, you know, we broke into junkyards and abandoned factories and things. And it was super exciting. But what I love about junkyards is that there's spaces um, that are like the refuse of humanity. Like, and you would see, you know, you would find old record players and things from the, you know, 20s and then old cars that are cut up. Like it was just, it's all, it's, it's a magical place, I think, for imagination at least. And it really, um, in designing and the character, uh, you know, I like that she um, sees things not for what they are, but for what they can be. And that, that's both in the, in the androids that she constructs, but it's also an everyday item. Like she looks for solutions around things that other people had cast away. And I think that's a big message both on a human level and on a science level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so one of the great things, obviously, also about Androids is that your lead character is a girl. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges of sure. having your lead character be a girl sure. um, and why you insisted on it? Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't start that way. And I think, um, uh, I think when you're creating a show, you're always trying to speak to your younger self or try to, you know, you're trying to, or at least that's where I start. It's like, what would I want younger JJ to think? Or where can I, you know, what, what would I want him to have known? And so I've always wanted to do a science show. I couldn't figure out a way to do the science that I wanted to do, which is, you know, uh, chaos and danger and explosions and awesome um, without getting, uh, you know, the potential backlash from parents being like, I don't want my kid to blow their arm off, right? Uh, which is totally fair. Um, but so it, it took a little while to get to, okay, well, let, you know, what if it, there were robots and this kid built robots and so the robots can actually have pieces blown off and you can actually learn not to do that because you could, you know, have something ripped off you. This is bad. But, uh, but, but, but so it, to me, it actually reinforces why you shouldn't do that. And then I was at this uh, conference in Germany called Prisioness where they air the best of the best of kids' content from around the world and a lot of this is from um, European countries that, that really make shows just for their audience, like for their country. And so the honesty in these shows and what they talk about puts everything that we make to shame because it's just truthful. Like there's, they're dealing with uh, absolutely everything. And one of the panels, or they, they'd issued a report that said, um, gen it was gender inequality in all kids shows. They had analyzed every show on the planet. Uh, at every country had done it, and in live action shows, only one out of every three characters was a girl, and in animation, only one out of every four. And be, if they did have a girl lead, she was surrounded by male characters, almost as if like, oh, well, you got your one. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of you know shitty things that come out of that because if you only have one girl character, she has to kind of be she gets all the role, all the characteristics. She has to be smart and funny and uh, uh, cute and the girl next door and you know and and then, and then when they did have multiple girls too, they were like oh you know there was that girl next door there was the they they just fell into very specific stereotypes, and so I was like oh well you know I didn't know that not a problem we'll just make you know, our character a girl. Like, there was no change in the character. It was just, she'll be a girl. And so we shot the pilot for the show, um, and it's uh, one of our best pilots that we've ever done. We don't, we don't uh, develop shows with networks because they would kill these things before they even left. And so uh, it uh, shot this ourselves. And admittedly, there's also a genderless robot in there, Android, just, you know, so we, because I was like, at this point, let's just double down, because kids talk about this. They talk, they're fascinated with it. Adults are clearly fascinated with it, so why not just have that in there? And I really love that PAL character, which is an Android that Anne builds, uh, because PAL is a way to look at the world. It, it's it's, some, it's a being that's becoming a human, and so it's trying to figure out what that means and blah, 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 blah. So anyways, we, we sent that pilot around to everyone in, in the States, and what was surprising is that some networks turned it down um, because it was a girl, uh, or were like, you know what, we'd really love this, but it can't be a girl, would you, you, know, would you make it into a boy character? And it, you know, it, it blew my mind, because I'm like, holy shit, like, this is how it actually happens. Like, it, it's like, I thought it was just, oh, producers weren't putting them in there, and I was like, oh no, they're actually like, there's like a little agenda of whatever. Uh, and it's all based on this, what I think is, well, we've proven it's flawed, um, idea that, what is it, boys and girls will watch boys' shows, but a boy will not watch a girl's show, or something like that, that yeah. 
um, which is it's bullshit because uh, Odd Squad, which we do for PBS, Androids, we get a clean split 50-50 male-female. I think you know it depends on the type of show you're going to do, but this is a broad-based science action show. Uh, we we uh, Anne is a strong female character. Her one of the friends, Shania, is like uh, the most confident character, but extremely um, I hate saying girly, but she you know she, she loves colors and, and fashion and all that kind of stuff. So and that was deliberate too to make sure that we balanced out because again it wasn't just going to be Anne being a little bit cold because that that in itself falls into a stereotype and so you know between the two of them and teaches Shania about science and Shania teaches Anne about fun ultimately and so it just felt like we had a great little uh, divide there but in truth, it took the creation of a new network in the States for androids to find a home. It's crazy. You think after Frozen, that would be, I thought it would be after Buffy the Vampire Slayer, sure. but now it's like after Frozen, that's crazy. Now, admittedly, this is like five years ago, right. but I don't, I, I think we'll see. Like I think those, because I, uh, I brought up other examples of things that we're doing well, um, and, and they're like, those are anomalies. Right, because it's only the one, it's only this. So there's always these excuses. I think it's dying. I think you know the more um, that these shows do well, the the more that will come out. So I really do think it's something. But then it'll be you know the next thing is body types. Shania, we looked for someone that was a little bit stockier. When she came into the door, it was like oh my god, because when you're doing kid shows, especially live action, what you forget is that most of the kids that are in the field are kids that someone has been like oh my god, you're so cute, you should be an actor. It's not the weirdos and the little people with quirks who I find so much more watchable. And so you have to like look further afield you have to really be like no we are going to make sure we find that body type because you need to see it and then make her the most confident and then make her a sports star you know what I mean like not not play too much but you know admittedly in the first season we did play some jokes about food and stuff and and it's it's funny because Kristen um, who's the um, co-exec producer and uh, helped develop the show and wrote some of these scripts uh, was like we did it like we made that same mistake ourselves after having been so clear that we weren't going to stumble into those things. So we're still learning as well, but I think we're, you know, certainly in a better spot. I just want to ask, yeah. so you talk about, you know, the network saying no. Yeah. Um, has online, I mean, kids watch videos online. Yeah. That's what they do. They're, yeah. they're not watching TV on TV anymore. Um, has that new space enabled you to grow and to produce your shows for this, for this audience in kind of... Um, you know, maybe a more, not forgiving space, but something that will allow for a strong female lead? Sure. I would say that um, what's uh, nice is uh, competition, right? And I think uh, where I will forever be thankful about Amazon's entry into this is that they were looking for a risky show. They did not want to have the same shit that everyone else had, or same stuff that everyone else had. Uh, they wanted to, to take a chance. And so this show came. It was something that looked great, had all the hallmark. It was already funded because uh, after we were rejected by the states, we're like, we're still going to make this show. Uh, so we got... Uh, Germany, Kika on board, we had French Canon on board, we had SVT on board, like SVT Sweden, who is awesome because they were, this is after 
uh, one of the networks was like, uh, how dare you talk about gender in a kid's show? And I was like, oh my God. And like the next day we had a meeting with SVT and they're like, we love the gay robot. <laughs> right? Like it's just like, okay, great. Like it's, but you see the different values that kind of come through. Um, and so they, they, they wanted to stand out and they certainly stood out. Like that show, now that it's aired, uh, Common Sense Media listed Anne as one of the top 10 role models for 2014. We just won this science... Um, Film Festival Award, which was insane. I didn't even know what it uh, was, truthfully, until after. But um, it was this, it's the largest science film festival in the world. It plays to 500,000 students. Uh, they uh, flew, like me, out to Germany to accept it. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. Um, but when I got there, it was at uh, the Munich Science Museum, which is the largest science museum in Europe. And the woman who presented me the award, whose name I must remember, um, was from Thailand. And that's where like 200,000 of the students had seen it. And she was talking about how there were communities that she took that show that were so far north, they didn't have electricity. And it was the first time that girls there um, had seen uh, a strong female character or a female character. And she's, you know, her voice is kind of quivering. And this is as she's presenting, she's like, so I just want to ask you, and I don't know if this is the right space, but could we have another episode to show them? And I was like, oh my God, you can have the whole fucking series. Like, you know, <laughs> take it. Like, my God. Because it's, it's moments like that that just kind of throw you and you don't realize, uh, A, that the fight was, you know, absolutely worth it, um, but that um, the impact that, how important it is, I think, for kids to see themselves. You know what I mean? To, to, and, and legitimately see themselves, not hyper-real versions, not, you know, kids being taught on a cruise ship. Like, and, and I understand those shows, like, why they need to exist. I think um, there's, there's escapism, uh, which is amazing, and, and kids need that. Adults need that. It's just we don't need 100% of it. You know, I, I actually think we need to really uh, reclassify what is uh, aspirational. Aspirational is not becoming a pop star. Like, there's just, because you're not, there's so many kids that aren't going to be able to do it or fashions or whatever that, you know, uh, it, it's just not, it's not fair to put those expectations on. Aspirational is you can become an engineer. You can be, you know, someone that's going to advance knowledge of humanity and that those have to be uh, awesome characters that we need to put on a much higher uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like a higher slope, a pedestal. That's it. Pedestal is the right word. You know what I mean? And we have to be like, they're awesome. Uh, versus, and make them relatable and show how you get there. Like, uh, you know, we were kind of chatting earlier, but it is deliberate that these characters are poor, right? And that we talk about money because I did not grow up with money. I don't know many people that did. Money was an issue. We couldn't do certain things because we didn't have money. On, I would say every show on Disney and Nick, now that those aren't bad networks, but they're all loaded. Like their houses are massive. We made sure, like I think Anne has the smallest bedroom of probably any kid's show ever, it's in a trailer. She lives in a trailer in that junkyard with her dad. Her room is like, I, I don't even know, probably six by four. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, and she's totally happy because her uh, imagination and what she's doing fulfills her life. She doesn't need that space. She's where, she makes her own clothes. Like she, it's all junk stuff, it's oversized. She puts it together like it's, but we're doing that to be like, it is not being, you know, the most popular and wearing that shit. Like none of that actually gets you anywhere. You know, it, it doesn't do anything. It just hurts 
supports you down the road. So, you know, I, I like that stuff. I like that the mom, Nick's mom, uh, they move there. They Obviously, the parents have just separated, and she doesn't have a job, and so it becomes like she needs to find a job. They talk about it like it's happening. I love that because I just think those are the background conversations that you hear as a kid and get little pieces of, but how better to be able to relate to what's actually going on, and that's all still in a science show. Right. You know? That's great. Hey, everyone. That was our interview with J.J. Johnson at Sandbox Summit, which was a few months ago. But Androids now premieres this weekend on Amazon Prime. You can check it out with your kids. We recommend it for kids ages, I would say, 6 to 10, boys and girls, and adults, too. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And we'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, we are back with our Parenting Bites of the Week. Who's going to start? I can start. Oh, Amy. Um, So I had an absolutely horrendous time getting here today. It was like an episode of The Amazing Race. (laughs) And I ended up standing on a subway at the East Broadway station for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes um, that didn't move even though they kept saying the doors were going to close. And luckily there was internet, and I hopped on Facebook, and I saw that like half a dozen of my friends had shared the same article. And when half a dozen of my friends share the same article, I read it immediately. And I had to end up bailing on the subway and got in a cab, and the whole time I was reading this article and blubbering in the back seat of the cab. (laughs) It was hugely embarrassing. it's on medium.com and it's by a young woman named Clementine Wamaria and it's titled Everything is Yours, Everything is Not Yours. And it's about how when she was six, she and her sister escaped the massacre in Rwanda. They had to leave their family and flee. And it's about that. It's about what happened to them once they got to the, to the United States, what happened when they were reunited with their family many, many, many years later. And it's just it's it's gutting you know it's such a, a it's so different from anything that any of us have ever gone through that it's it's just so hard to read but so beautifully written mm, i will have to read that i saw a few people posted it yeah mm-hmm. and and i love medium for that you know yeah. for allowing that to happen yeah yeah medium's a great site all right, Andrea, what's your bite? Okay, so I'm Gadget. Actually, I have two things. Can I do two things? Sure. Okay, first I brought a Gadget, of course, to show you. And, um, well, we'll start with that. So so when my son was much younger, he used to uh, tell everybody about, a, you know, the backspace key on the computer. Mind you, computers had just come out when he was little. <laughs> and, um, and he had his little friend Ruthie come over, and he hit the, the delete key. And he said, this is the damn it key. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to him, where did you hear that? And he said, that's what daddy always says when when he hits this. It's the damn it key. Okay, I won't tell you about the funky ditch story. But anyway, so my husband really is a little bit challenged, you know, which is which is very odd. USB ports drive him insane. He is constantly spending time fidgeting, trying to plug a cable into a USB port. And it's usually because his desktop is down by his knees or something. And of course, they only go in one way. Well, I have in my hand, which Amy is photographing, Griffin's reversible <gasps> USB cable. Oh I mean, Genius. this is brilliant. This this is just like, why did this take 
so long for this to happen. Um, this one happens to be gold, so it matches my iPhone. Thank you very much. <laughs> but what I love is, so it's got this um, kink-resistant braided cable. So it's kind of soft. It's covered. It's not going to crack, you know, when you plug your cables mm -hmm. in so much. It's got a lightning tip on the other end, of course, you can get for whatever you need. Comes in 5-foot lengths, 10-foot lengths. About the same price, 30 bucks as you would pay, $30, $40 for a normal cable, sync cable, charge cable. But genius, and I'm giving this to my husband because it goes in any USB port either direction. That's crazy. Check it out. Made by Griffin. We'll post a link to it. Second really quick story I have to tell you. We were flying home from Minneapolis this weekend on a United flight. Terrible story. The flight attendant got sick right as we pulled back from the gate. We had to literally stop. Scary to see that the pilot cannot come out the door. I mean, it was a whole process before oh he could be God. told. Um, but while everyone else was going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's happening? We're going to have to read. But guess who was already on the phone with United? Moi. Guess who had rebooked tickets before we even got off the plane? So everyone, you know, went and stood online, 50 people standing online at one gate going, we need to rebook, we need to be on the next flight. And my friend who we were traveling with said, how did you do that? And I said, because instead of, you know, freaking out about getting off the plane, just call United and rebook. So that's yeah. my tip. Also, just do it. Be proactive. Get on yeah. the phone. Don't... Uh, don't wait for things to happen when yeah. you're traveling with families, because that's the worst. Yeah, yeah. and lines suck. Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought you were going to say, like, trip it magically rebooked you, but okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I called. But, you know, by the time everyone got off the plane to call, no, you couldn't get through. Yeah. Of it's course. one yeah. of those things that people just don't realize you don't think they about. should do immediately. Right. right. I mean, this was after we made sure the guy was safe and off the plane. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I would have been on the phone. <laughs> Um, my bite of the week is the new Lego minifigs that are for female scientists and female historical figures. They're in mathematicians, and they realize they have a dearth of female minifigs, mm -hmm. um, and they're trying to figure out ways to get girls more into math and science. And it sounds silly that something as tiny as a minifig could make a difference, but it does. That when you have kids playing with dolls, which is basically what minifigs are, um, in a cool way, boys and girls that are representative and you're working in, as we had this discussion about this $10 bill last week, yep. um, that somehow that starts to sink in, that these are just regular, normal choices for you as a girl. So it's kind of another step on Lego's attempt to bring girls sort of into the fold of Lego encourage science and math and not be seen as whatever. And I will say that some of the featured Legos are part of Lego Friends. Um, one of them has like a marine biology lab or whatever. And I know there's been there's like always a controversy around Lego Friends. But my point of view is if that's what girls are playing with, if that's their entree into Lego, then go forth and get them those things, get them building and then build around it. But um, we'll post a link to the article. It was in That's Business awesome. Insider and all yeah. the new minifigs. And minifigs are not silly. If somebody made a minifig of me, I would put it on my tombstone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait a second. I think that's like my dream. Yeah. I'd rather have that than an Oscar. I want a minifig. Mini Someone, uh, when I met with oh, Lego. when that's I, a tough choice. I know. When I met with Lego um, at Toy Fair last in February, they told me that Chris Pratt was the only person to have three different <gasps> minifigs from three different... He like has the record because he's in no. three different Minifig movies shows. that got that got minifigs. I was like, wow, that is a 
a crazy awesome maybe they'll, make, maybe they'll make a minifig of our podcast oh my god Let's we can start all lobbying. three get it that's it Lego, hello <laughs> we will ask them when we see them alright well thank you for coming to the studio this week thanks for listening we are at facebook.com slash parenting bites we'll have links to all the great stuff we talked about today including all of Sandy Chen's amazing book recommendations and the article that has many many more plus her site Teen Lit Rocks and a link to Androids on Amazon Prime you can hashtag us on Twitter, hashtag Parenting Bites. And, of course, on iTunes at Parenting Bites. Listen, subscribe, download, share it with your friends, rate and review. And on play.it.com where you can find Parenting Bites and all of the other CBS Play.it podcasts. Till next week, have an next amazing week. 4th of July. Have a fabulous holiday weekend. Everyone be safe. Be safe. <laughs> and uh, we'll check you out next week. Bye. Bye.